Welcome to the Portrait Detective podcast, where we dive into collections at the State Library of New South Wales to discover iconic images from Sydney's past. I'm Cassie Gilmartin, editor of portraitdetective.com.au. Some of you may know me from Inside History, a magazine I published a few years ago. And I was bitten by the history bug when I discovered the story of my Irish ancestors dating back to the late 1700s. One was a highwayman and the other was the madam of a brothel of the lower sort in Dublin. I'm here with partner in crime Margot Riley, curator at the State Library of New South Wales, co-founder of Portrait Detective and an expert in fashion history and photography. Margot, can you believe here we are collaborating on our first podcast? Yes, it's great to be here and I'm really looking forward to unpacking some of our favourite images from the library's collections and sharing some of my research uh, into them. I can't wait either. And the Portrait Detective website on which this podcast is based came about because of a conversation you and I had in 2016 when you told me about a whole lot of fabulous research you'd been doing to develop a timeline of Australian portraiture in order to help people understand more about the portraits in their own collection. And you and I started brainstorming on how to make that more accessible to everyone and Portrait Detective as a resource came to life. And I want to say the State Library of New South Wales and Create New South Wales have been incredibly generous in supporting the development of this resource. Yes, it's been a really exciting journey taking the Portrait Detective venture from just an idea and a concept to a reality. But good things do take time. <laughs> and um, I, I had actually been doing my master's research in New York, which is where I began to to develop these uh, these sort of detective kind of skills. It was part of the program um, that I had my museum studies course. And uh, when I came back to Australia, I was really keen to um, develop something for the library that would um, you know enable other people to learn these same skills. It took until um, 2005 when the State Library actually launched their own fellowship program and I became, I was the first fellow which gave me the opportunity to explore the library's collections and really work out the best way to deliver um, this style of of information, how to arrange the information so that people could understand how to unpack images that they were looking at. But as you say, you you know, it sort of sat um, on a database on my desk for quite some time. And it wasn't until nearly 10 years later when you and I did have that conversation. And luckily, technology seems to have caught up with us <laughs> and it's made it much, much easier for us to turn uh, the database into the website that people can see and visit today. And as you say, uh, you know, we're really, really grateful for the support of the State Library and also Create New South Wales, which have enabled my original concept to come to life. Yeah, and I'm so grateful that you did all that research um, those years ago. It's it's fantastic to have. So I'm excited to start talking about our first iconic image. So let's dive straight in. Today we're discussing one of our favourite illustrations of colonial Sydney, a watercolour titled The Costumes of the Australasians, made in 1817 by Edward Close. 
And for everyone listening, you can see the image we're discussing by tapping the link on your phone at the bottom of the podcast homepage or visiting portraitdetective.com.au forward slash podcast. I love it because it's a depiction of a Sydney street scene uh, showing fashion that perhaps my ancestors would have seen and possibly even worn. And Margot, even before we worked together, I'd come across this iconic image many times. And you discovered an interesting story about its attribution. Yes, it's one of uh, Colonial Australia's most iconic uh, primary visual sources. And it, but it also proves a point that um, given time and distance, we don't always uh, really understand the way in which an image has been created or perhaps what its original purpose may mm. have been. So um, it is inscribed with a title, Costume of the Australasians, and it shows a, a group of 10 male figures, um, including a government official, there is an officer and some soldiers, various men dressed in, in uniforms, a um, couple of wealthy colonial types, as well as convicts going about their, um, their government service. Uh, it really captures a moment in Sydney in a totally unique way. Mm. And personally, it's one of the images that first drew me into the study of dress history when I first encountered it at university in the 1970s. And back then, it was thought to have actually been by the work of a lady painter, which is quite unusual, a woman called Sophia Campbell, who um, was the wife of a colonial merchant and pioneer, and it was felt that she would have had the opportunity and the leisure and, you know, the, the access to materials to perhaps have created this the album that right. this um, watercolour is included in. The album um, is actually... Uh, at that stage was held in the family collection in in, in England. Mm. Um, but there was always some doubt as to the true creator of the image because it did seem unusual that some of the scenery uh, that was captured was not didn't quite resonate well for a lady painter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't until 2009 that this album actually came onto the, the market And it was brought out to Australia by um, Sotheby's Auction House. Mm -hmm. And it was at that time that there was the time for people to to, to examine the the album Mm -hmm. and to compare it to other colonial artworks held in other cultural institutions. And it was at that time that it was actually reattributed to Edward Close. Mm -hmm. Um, So Close was a soldier and an engineer who'd arrived in uh, Australia, in Sydney, in 1817. Um, and had later then. settled in 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 Morpeth, but he uh, he and uh, Sophia Campbell were actually related by marriage, which was how perhaps the I the see. waters had got muddied as it had passed down through the family line, mm-hmm. and perhaps you know looking at the album in England, people perhaps had had made assumptions that because it was beautifully watercolor you know paintings that it, they must have been by a lady, by but Sophia. they were mm-hmm. actually by. Um, we believe now, by Edward. And this whole process of reattribution is is really quite fascinating. So often um, it can reveal really surprising insights and that's exactly what happened with the reattribution of the costume of the Australasians within the album mm. that was offered for sale nearly a decade ago. And basically the things that came down to this sort of reattribution was that men um, who were in the military 
were trained in what was known as topographical drawing. Mm-hmm. So it's a much flatter style mm, of documentation. It does have that. Mm. It's a documentary style of art. So the figures that you see in this particular, they're like little cardboard cutouts they just are, flat yeah. against the scene. And they're really, there's not much detail of their faces. They're really just what's known as a type. And there was, during this early part of the 19th century, uh, a sort of a, a taste for the picturesque costumes of foreign places or um, folk costumes, you know, outlandish kind of um, outfits worn by, you know, obscure tribes in wherever. <laughs> and I think in some way this is what Edward Close has recorded what he was coming seeing. into mm-hmm. Sydney and going, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so in this. So different. <laughs> yes, I'm in this, you know, remote, far-flung um, outpost and look at these curious people, you yeah. know, walking along the street. So um, that was one of the things that that idea of topographical documentary art, um, which... Um, you know, indicated perhaps it was by not by a lady painter. Mm-hmm. Also, within the book, uh, it's clear that the, it traces the journey of a, um, the Matilda, right? The ship that came to Australia mm-hmm. and um, close travelled to Australia on the Matilda, but Sophia Campbell didn't. I see. So, and so the book was all of Edward Close's. It covers work. that journey, yes, mm-hmm. and it is like it's like tourist art. You know, in in the pre-photographic era, you know, people are documenting what they see when they go on a journey. Uh, And yeah, so it's a remarkable um, um, object just from that point of view. So it has the trip that that, that Sophia didn't go on. Uh, it, it's documented in a way that is unlike um, a lady painter of the day. Uh, and also, um, it's very much studying what men are wearing on the street. Yeah. And as a military man, uh, he would be very much versed in recognising the whole purpose of military costumes is to be able to recognise from a distance which um, branch of the service people are in, what rank they have, all of those things. So, it's you know, you can see why he would have very much um, organised that, you know, the the garment so he can really pinpoint mm. who everyone is. He's carefully selected this array of figures that are reflect the um, the mixture mm. of, of characters that would have been seen on the street. And they very much are more caricatures rather than um, individual life portraits as mm. such. But that, having said that, some of the people in the image may well have been known to Edward at the time because Sydney didn't have a very big population. So beyond the... Um, you know, the, the groups of convicts, which probably in their uniforms are slightly more anonymous. Within the scene, we also have a couple of really interesting figures. On the far left is a gentleman with a fabulous um, bicorn hat with a wonderful ribbon rosette and fabulous um, knee-length hessian boots with tassels. <laughs> um, you know, and he is a government official. Mm-hmm. So there's been a bit of conjecture as to who he might have been. Because there would, would not have been many people no, who dressed like that's that correct. And he's very tall as well. Mm-hmm. So in all likelihood, the people looking at this image at the time it was created would have been very familiar mm. with some of the figures that are recorded in there beyond that sort of classification of type yeah. that we see. Yeah. So all of these things really, um, you know, reflect the content in the image um, and and the fact that the there's an interest in, in an array of male attire. Mm-hmm. As we say, it, it seems quite deliberate that it's documenting the men on the street and it does seem to me that, you know, a female artist would probably have put at least one 
lady in there. Yeah, the you think so? Yeah. Um, and you know, above it all, um, we were very, very fortunate. The State Library was able to purchase the album, mm. so it has come back to Australia. How fabulous! And it's now fully accessible online. There's 30 pages, beautiful watercolors that um, you know can can be viewed. Mm-hmm. And the other sort of clincher to the whole dating was that it uh, has watermark on the paper of 1816. Right. And all and by 1815 Sophia was already returned to, okay. to England. So all of those sort of factors. Yeah. Um, pretty conclusive. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. What a great discovery to have made. Well, it's a wonderful um um to to bring it back home, bring it back to Australia. And, yeah. For people yes. to enjoy, yeah, and, and digitize of, it as well. Lots of other wonderful images in it, so I do encourage people to go and and peruse it. Yes. And what does this image tell us about Sydney in Macquarie's time? Because it was the time of Governor Macquarie, quite a famous time in colonial history. What what can we read from this image into that? Hmm. Well, I think, again, this idea of um, the exoticness, uh, you know, of, of the scene is probably a bit hard for us to get our heads around in the 21st century. But what it depicts is the the mixture of classes on the street. And this would have been quite startling to a visitor coming to the colony because back in Europe and in England, um, there really wasn't that mix of people. Um, mm. Different classes moved on the street in different ways. Uh, if you could travel, uh, you know, in a carriage, you would be in a carriage. You wouldn't be walking. You'd be mixing and with people no, on the street. And, and you would – and streets were in very bad condition. They were usually muddy or in Australia incredibly dusty. So it really wasn't a place where people mixed. And another reason why you're not seeing women in this scene because as, as a rule, unless you were a servant and you had no other way of getting around, you really wouldn't be seen on the street. So I think this it is very interesting that this – slice of Sydney shows the street. It, but it is also interesting that there are no Indigenous people. Mm. So mm. it is very clear that Close is, 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 is interested in that mix of classes, male classes, mm. of colonial people. Yes. And so it's a very clear decision that it's about, you know, from officials right down to the canary bird convict mm. in mm. his yellow suit that you see all those and the different subdivisions. You've got um, ticket of leave men, you've got, you know, Everybody is covered. It's just a wonderful, wonderful, totally unique document. And I love that um, you mentioned a military man painted this and we've spoken about the terrific bicorn hat that one of them is wearing. How accurate is the fashion in these depictions? Well, I think it's, you know, I think because he's a military man trained in that topographical drawing and, and if you, you know, when, when they went out on the field, it was about accuracy in, in documenting what they saw in this, as I say, in this pre-photographic era. So I think they're very accurate. Um, again, he was used to recognising uniforms, insignia. You know, you can actually tell ranks from, you know, mm. everybody in the image. You can really, and I have done that in the in the. Uh, if you look at Portrait Detective entry for this one online, you can I've detailed as much as I can um, what we can read from mm. the image. Uh, so it's it's extraordinary the the level of information that is in there, um, and I think it's interesting that um, beyond the 
you know, the military figures, you also have a couple of um, less um, clearly defined characters because it was at this time that um, whilst people observed uh, certain dress codes in Europe and in, and in England, coming to Australia allowed people to also break the mm. rules. Yeah. Certainly if they wished to mask their past or as an emancipist you wanted to hide the fact that you had been a member of the convict class. You'd done well for yourself. So people mm. were aspirational. Mm-hmm. And this was very much part of Macquarie's plan for Sydney that uh, the colony wouldn't remain a convict colony. Mm. That it, it would, would thrive. It would and thrive mm. and grow and that uh, people, convicts would be freed and they would enter into society and be successful and in Australia. So I think that is all um, captured in the image. And you mentioned that uh, great quote from Charles Darwin. I didn't know who anyone was when I well, came here. <laughs> it, it, was, it was sort of more, because, um, you know, as I say, it, the image is really about um, documentation and it's almost like it's, it's a botanical or, a you know, a zoological drawing, yeah. you know, where you the species, <laughs> the, the species Australasians, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. So I, I think it does resonate with Darwin and he did, and Darwin, of course, visited Australia in, the 18, in 1836 um, on, on the Beagle and he... he you know, talks about coming into a society and he himself, you know, had dropped away. Um, he had grown a beard and his clothes were in shreds from yeah, this, from you know, journey. very long journey. <laughs> so the first thing he had to do was sort of go off and, you know, turn himself back into a civilised person. And uh, But he is very shocked by the mixes of the classes and the fact that um, emancipists are well-dressed and that they ride around in carriages. And it's more the carriages that sort of that do his head in, I will say, mm. because he says, you know, oh, my God, I, you know, there was an emancipist and he was in a carriage. <laughs> and it basically, so the quote says, no one thing surprises me more than not readily being able to ascertain whom to whom this or that carriage belongs. Now, that's like trying to tell who someone is by looking at their car. Yes. It's very odd. It's just a possession. But because that would have been totally um, controlled mm. in England, you know, you wouldn't have been able to acquire, you know, a fancy carriage um, if you were, you know, an ex-convict. Mm. It just wouldn't have happened. Mm. But it was a unique thing to the, the, the culture that Macquarie was trying to encourage. In our conversations previously about this painting, I asked you who your favourite figure was and the answer was not what I was expecting. So tell me more about that. Well, what I love about doing this work is is slowing yourself down to, you know, really take the time to sort of let your eye go right across an image, you know, start in one Mm. corner and just work your way across. And what I do is I make a note of anything that I see. I really try to describe, which is what people will see when they go to the portrait detective, a really minute description of what I am seeing in Mm. the picture. And in this scene, the thing that really caught my eye was the fabulous green umbrella. (laughs) So one of our free settlers has this really fabulous umbrella. And I thought to myself, gosh, you know, would that a common thing? You know, Mm. why a green umbrella? And, of course, the best resource for any research is Trove, the Mm -hmm. online newspaper database that's um, um, sourced through the National Library of Australia. It's a fabulous resource, isn't it? Exactly. So, Mm. you know... 
I typed in green umbrella. I type, you know, you can limit it down. So I knew it had to be New South Wales. It's the only place a newspaper would be. And it knew around this time frame, so 1800 to 1820, and up pops these advertisements. Who would have thought? <laughs> so here we go. The Sydney Gazette and New South Wales advertiser on the 3rd of August in 1806 to be sold by auction, valuable articles, the property of a gentleman leaving the colony, green silk umbrellas. <laughs> and later, on sale at the warehouse of Mr. Marr of Castle Ray Street, the following goods just landed from the Briggs Cornelia and Hibernia, gentlemen's hats, ladies' bonnets, Green silk umbrellas. Wow. What I also like about this one is a handsome set of English buggy harness and a good buggy. <laughs> so there we go. We've got the umbrella and buggy. the carriage. You could have had both. You're set. So, um, yeah, I just think. And, and then the other comparanda that I found, so um, what I try to do too is find how unusual is this. Mm-hmm. So fortunately, you know, I get have access and, and so does everyone really to the collections of the State Library. Mm-hmm. And there is wonderful, wonderful watercolour by John Lewin that shows Governor Macquarie at Bathurst. So this is just over mm-hmm. the, just after the road over the Blue Mountains has been um, created and Macquarie goes on a progress, taking a band with him to go to visit the new colony, uh, the new, sorry, town at Bathurst. He strikes his bell tent on, you know, a nice rise and goes for an afternoon perambulation and in this beautiful um, watercolour, there is the governor with a big green umbrella. So from the top down, it was obviously (laughs) the accessory to have. What every gentleman had. Everyone had to have one. (laughs) I love it. And it's such an important point, isn't it? Using resources in different ways. Like, you know, I've I've gone on to trove myself to uh, look at when chocolate was most popular in the colony. Uh, And I found that was, it hit its stride in the 1830s, Mm. just um, by Mm. the by. But it's such a great resource, isn't it? All those fabulous digitised newspapers oh, we can yes. so much. And just, you know, it's just truly, um, you know, has changed the way research is done. Mm. Nobody who does historical research these days can really afford not to look at Trove. Mm. Um, working in, in a library, it's the first place we go to. Someone yeah. asks a question, you know, you just dump it in there and nine times out of ten there's an answer or a lead. Mm. It's enough of a lead to give mm. you the context, what was happening or some other clue, and then you follow that. And it's free. It's Aren't we lucky? Yes, we are. Yeah. And a lot of the library's collection is, is part of Trove. Like it's yes. not just um, – so it's Australia-wide. It's collaboration. It's, yes, it's not just um, it, New South Wales. It does cover off um, – yeah, and yeah. growing all the time. Yes, exactly. Everything's more and more things are yes. being digitised. Yes. Um, so if you had to choose a, a favourite figure, green umbrella aside <laughs> – I'm curious, who would it be? Well, it is the rather natty gentleman in the spurs right. who's wearing a beautiful sort of sky blue kind of uh, a jacket and, again, a wonderful shady hat. I, I do love the hats in, in these images because they, especially for the colonial gentleman, because, it, you know, it's a sign of class not to have a tan. Mm-hmm. Um, tans mm-hmm. were really a 20th century thing. you were out in the open exactly. working, right? Exactly. And, mm-hmm. um, and so anyone... If they could, they would protect their skin. And, of course, coming to Australia, that was a big challenge to them because they wouldn't have been used to the heat. <laughs> uh, so the, the two gentlemen looked to be wearing cabbage tree palm hats. 
And uh, but in this case, the the gentleman in the blue jacket. When I looked really, really closely at it, um, I, I could see that there was actually a sheepskin lining to wow. it. Wow. And I just thought to myself, well, who in Sydney would be strolling around with a jacket with a sheepskin lining? And, of course, my fantasy took me straight to John MacArthur, (laughs) because, of course, father of the the Merino in Australia. Um, And, you know, at that time there would not have been too many free settlers in the colony. Mm -hmm. Um, The fact that he has ridden in, we see he's got his spurs on, Mm. uh, he's carrying a little riding crop, so very sort of natty. And, of course, by this time MacArthur had, uh, had left the military. So anyway, I, I, I don't know it was John MacArthur, but whoever it was, they have a fabulous uh, sheepskin lining on yes, their jackets. Yeah, re- incredibly unique, I would have thought. Mm. Well, I love... And yes, who's your favourite? Who's my favourite? Look, I've decided it's the ticket of leave man um, on the left in mm-hmm. his grey mm-hmm. gray suit. He's not... Look, he's not colourful in what he's wearing, but I think there's a bit of romanticism because my ancestors would have been ticket of leave men mm-hmm. at that stage. Yes. And, um, you know, I, 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 there obviously is very little that exists to tell oh, us much totally. about Oh, yeah. Well, no line. garments would survive. There would be lists of the types of things that were supplied to people or what was known as slop clothing, mm-hmm. which was these sort of very loose, re- early ready-made clothing, um, so quite shapeless and very sort of serviceable kind of fabrics. Mm. And it's interesting we've remarked on the, the face of the mm. convict. It's quite mm. different to the yes. the faces of the other men. It's mm. the, He's got a very strong jaw and quite a, a prominent nose, which mm. the features of the other men is quite fine. Mm. So it's, Yes, it's, it, I think it's really interesting because you, you sort of wonder, is this a comment that Close is making? Mm. Again, because he's documenting characters and a class of, of you know types is he implying that you know there's a there's that element the convict element yes. and that they are rougher and you know maybe we needed to keep an eye on this bloke and yes. you know didn't want to meet him on a dark night yes. kind of thing and it doesn't matter what you wear you maybe still you can't a hide the fact that you've <laughs> had a rough gives it away yeah, you, you've had a bit of a past <laughs> yeah i think it, it's fairly interesting because as you say as we say it's the only one that has that kind of face everybody mm. else is quite almost bird-like. Mm, they he's, are uh, very fine-featured. Mm, mm. yeah. Well, Margot, it's been terrific talking to you, as always, to understand more about the history and context of this iconic image from our past. Oh, it's always fun to talk to you too. Well, thank you, everyone, for being with us today on the Portrait Detective podcast. I'm Cassie Gilmartin. And I'm Margot Riley. Join us next time as we discover more iconic images from the collections of the State Library of New South Wales.